0: All right. Hello and welcome to the Philosophy of Fitness podcast, episode number six. My name is Haley. I'm going to be your host today and every single day that you are tuning in. Guys, we have another guest appearing on the show today, my friend Jack Kensel. He is the owner and founder of Two Wolves Performance. He has a really interesting background of what led him to where he is now regarding his training and his mentoring that he does. And We had a really awesome conversation about all kinds of different things, meditation, tips for your your mindset, your inner game, as I like to call it. And it was a really great conversation and really insightful, and I hope that you all kind of take away something from what we spoke about. So without further ado, we will get into that right now. Jack Kensel, welcome. How's it going? Awesome. Feeling good? So
1: pumped to be here, yeah.
0: Yeah, well, thanks for coming on. Uh, guest number two, so that's super exciting. Episode number six. Um, so, if you want to just tell everyone about yourself, give everyone a little bit of a background, what your deal is, what you do.
1: Yeah, my name is um, Jack Kensel. I run a um, performance training company slash cross training company called Two Wolves Performance, um, and I'm based up in Westchester, but I train in Long Island also, and um, I'm starting to travel a lot more and go to different states to train and work with teams. Primarily I work with individuals and small groups. And, um, basically I've been a performance coach for three, four years now. Um, and I worked at a few performance centers and, um, that's a whole story in itself, but I, um, been running tools performance for, um, just about two years now. And, um, I love everything about it. It, it, I think it has a unique approach to, um, sports and life and, and the story of two wolves. Um, the tale of two wolves is, is intertwined into all of our sessions and um, we always talk about a concept of life or um, a challenging thought for the day, a meditation for the day, reflection um, for about five minutes of each session. And um, I think, you know, my job as a coach is, is to be a molder of young men and women and to not just you know, improve their ability as athletes, but um, also improve um, or accelerate their wisdom on on life and and help guide them through the struggles and, you know, be there for them for the the trials and tribulations and success and failure and and the whole thing. So um, I love what I'm doing. Um, It's getting getting harder and busier now and everything's kind of loosening up a little bit. So um, everyone's just you know excited to get outside again and um you know i love i love what i do and it doesn't really feel like work you know so I'm really grateful for that and um you know I'm, I'm grateful for the opportunity i have so i feel like i'm you know living in my purpose for the most part every day I'm trying to
0: love that that is so powerful Um, something I was thinking about that, as you were saying it, what is the background behind the name two wolves? How did you come to choose that name?
1: So, um, there's a story of the tale of two wolves and, um, it was told to me at a point in my life when I was, um, in a very dark place and a mentor of mine, I was watching him speak and, um, he told this story and it was like the first time I had cried in like years. And, um, I spoke to him afterwards and, and asked him to tell me more about it. And um, till this day, we're, we're, we're good friends. And um, basically what it is, is the Tale of Two Wolves is an old Native American tale from the Cherokee tribe. And this grandson, the, the chief of the tribe, is walking in the woods with his um, grand, uh, grandfather, is walking with his grandson. And they're walking through the woods, and they stop, and the grandfather says, grandson I have a fight going on within me and it's between two wolves and you and everyone else in this world has it going on too and the grandson kind of ponders it and and the grandfather says one wolf represents evil it represents envy jealousy hatred um anger fear lust um dishonesty and the other wolf represents all that is good faith love Um, trust, honesty, compassion, empathy, um, joy, truth. And grandson, they keep walking and the grandson kind of looks around and he looks up and he says, well, grandfather, which which wolf wins? And He looks down, he says, the one you feed. And to me, I've always felt that um, in, in my head and and in myself that it's really right and wrong. And I, I've, as a kid, I was always that kind of kid. If you gave me too much rope, I was going to kind of, I might've found some trouble, you know, and, and uh, you know, but I always knew what was right and wrong, you know, and I, I had that, I still have it going in my, on in my head. And I think everybody does. It's sometimes what I say is it doesn't always feel good to do the right thing. You know, it, it to, to let go of someone that you care about, to, um, you know, have to, Uh, to do something that's hard, you know, to tell the truth about something that, you know, you know know is gonna anger somebody, you know is gonna upset somebody, but it's the truth. And um, what I was told is, I was talking to a friend one time and they asked me if I was honest about something. I said, yeah, I was pretty honest. And he said, there's no such thing as pretty honest. There's either honest or not. He said, there's no such thing as a 70% truth. (laughs) you know? Yeah. So, um, and that resonated with me. And I think, you know, every day there's little tiny decisions where it's like, I could either do it the easy way or the right way, you know? Mm-hmm. And um, so that's kind of where, where it, that's where it comes from. And it's, it's very pertinent in my life. And, and it's kind of what we talk about all the time. You know, we talk about everything with our athletes. I talk about, you know, just doing the next right thing being of service to others and, you know, taking care of yourself so you can take care of others or, you know, not comparing yourself to others. Um, I think a lot of young athletes today struggle with, they see their friends or they're, um, you know, committing to schools or they see, you know, younger kids seeing their highlights posted or, you know, they're, you know, they're achieving all these things and, and they get jealous or they get angry. They get, you know, upset that they're not where they want to be. And, um, you know, those kinds of things we talk about that, you know, you're only competing against the version of you from yesterday, you know, and you're not them, your goals and dreams are not them. You know, you have, your, and, and to stand up for your goals and dreams, you know, it's, I think, I know for me um, when I was a young athlete, by the time I got to college, I, I played visual on lacrosse and I didn't even like lacrosse anymore because I wasn't playing it for me. I was playing it to meet the expectations that I felt I had to meet for everybody else but me. You know, all my friends were playing Division I lacrosse uh, and I was, you know, burned out from playing every day, you know, and uh, I didn't even like it. And it was really hard because it's six, seven hours a day in college. And, you know, it was a, it was a hard thing to overcome at first. Um, so I think it's a long answer, but, you uh, <laughs> You know, I think it's important that um, the me- the name means a lot to me, you know, the the name of it, because it, it is pertinent in-, in what we do every day. So
0: That's awesome. I love how the name kind of encompasses a more holistic approach to team sports in general. And it kind of lines up with what I've done with this podcast, too, is that there's a whole physical side of what you're doing, but it's so much more than that. It's what you're bringing to the table mentally and how you're viewing things within yourself and also the world around you. So that's... That's awesome. I love the name and I love the message behind it. That's really cool.
1: And you're absolutely right about what you just said. You know, you you can only accomplish so much physically. Yeah. But You are so much, I think we are so much more capable than what we think, you know, and you think of the greatest athletes in the world, Michael Jordan, Tiger Woods, Kobe Bryant, they all had mental performance coaches. They all had mindset coaches. And um, like the word you use, inner game, Mm -hmm. I love that term yeah (laughs) I think it's I think it's perfect you know I think it's like it is a game it it is all a game up here and what you tell yourself is you know what you believe in yourself and and the limitations that we put on ourselves are self-imposed most of the time you know so um I think I love that I, I love kind of analyzing what's going through my head and thinking about why I'm thinking it and you know, should I be thinking this? Well, who who planted this here? And, you know, like, um, I enjoy it, enjoy it. And sometimes it's hard. You know, I think, you know, we've talked about how it's hard to look inward, but that's where all the answers are.
0: Yeah, that's a great point. And I kind of think of it too sometimes. I've told people it's almost like a potted plant. So whichever, if you have two plants in your mind, kind of like the two wolves, whichever one you're feeding more and paying more attention to and putting more energy into, that's the one that's going to grow more. And so... Like you said, looking inward—that's where you—that's where you find the answers. That's where you find out too which one you're feeding more.
1: Yeah, and and have you ever heard of the study? Um, you use the word energy. Have you ever heard of the study about the? I think it was a classroom teacher that um, put two plants in her classroom for her yep. students, and basically one plant represented you could only say nice things to it. Um, it had the same amount of lighting, watered at the same time, but you could only say nice things like, I love you. I care about you. You look beautiful. And then the other one, you could only say negative things too. And like the negative one died and then Yeah. I think that's amazing. You know, it's like, so
0: cool it's, to see that kind of
1: it's all like of that stuff. Simple, yeah. Profound evidence. <laughs>
0: it is, it is. It's, it's cool. Cause it is kind of evidence. And there were experiments too with, I think it was snowflakes or water droplets where they had certain frequency is to kind of go down a whole nother rabbit hole of everything in this universe resonates at a certain frequency and 528 Hertz is supposedly the frequency of love, healing, DNA repair. And when you place the water droplets on a speaker at that frequency, they form sacred geometry. Whereas if you played yeah. other frequencies, they were all scattered and kind of um, jumbled about. So that's another way to kind of show the evidence of some of this stuff that may seem a little esoteric to some people.
1: No, it's I always say it's like- real. I see it every day when like my sink is full and I turn on the garbage disposal and it vibrates and I'm
0: like, oh, it. <laughs> yeah. it's like
1: all lined up perfectly. You know, it's like, it doesn't make sense.
0: It's cool to it's see. Fantastic. It's very cool to yeah. see. So you're doing great with the lacrosse coaching now, killing it. So what exactly, I know we have a similar background too, because I left the corporate world for pursuing this path. And I know that you did too. So I was kind of curious of what led you to, make that career switch and what was kind of the aha moment for you that your purpose and passion weren't on that track?
1: Yeah. Um, it's kind of, I'll try to give you the short version, but I, after college, I, I worked for, um, in sports television, NBC sports. And, and at first I loved it. It was, I was kind of just thrown into it, sink or swim. And, um, you know, I did a good job, but truthfully, like I had no film background. Um, I didn't know, if, I didn't know if it was something I wanted to do, um, you know, and I was there for a few years. I got to do some amazing things. I got to work at Olympics. I got to go to Ryder cups and I got to do, um, i worked on Notre Dame football and I worked, you know, got to do some amazing things. Um, I was working hundred hour weeks. You know, I, I remember going to an Olympics and in, in Sochi, Russia, and for like 30 days and in 30 days, I saw one event, you know, like I, I didn't even leave the production truck really so I didn't even really get to appreciate it much and I um, felt like I was just withering you know like I had no social life no um, balance in my life um, you know and truthfully like I wasn't that good at it you know my co-workers um, were a lot smarter than me to begin with and uh, my friends and uh, they were better than me at it you know so um, when I left it was kind of like mutual wasn't it It was kind of like uh, I think I'm gonna go okay you know so um but you know it was it was an incredible experience of like what that world is like and um you know I have no ill will towards that world it's 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 a hard um job to do and it's demanding and uh it's it's very um competitive in a sense like it's live television so everyone's just yelling at each other you know um for the most part it's live television but uh you know, I was good at a few things. I was good at producing, you know, um, but I, you know, don't put me on a graphics operating job because I I couldn't do graphics. I (laughs) couldn't do it. So I wasn't a well-rounded, I guess, in television. But, um, you know, and then I I hit a low period where I didn't know what I wanted to do. I went to school for communications and I minored in psychology. And, you know, looking back, at which I had majored in that. Um, I think I had this wasn't real but I had this idea that I had to do what my father did my father's worked in the NFL for 40 years Um, his father worked in the NFL for 40 years my brother works in the NFL so I felt like I had to do something like that they never put that expectation on me but I just felt like that's what I had to do and um you know and I realized you know afterwards like that's not really the path I wanted to do and I was you know basically sitting on my buddy's couch one day and I We were like looking on Indeed and I I was like, this is so dumb. I can't believe I'm doing this. And he's like, well, what do you want to do? I'm like, I don't know, something in sports. And he was like, uh, here. And he found this like director of operations for the sports performance center in, um, Elmsford, New York. And, uh, it's like near white plains kind of. And, um, he was like, call him. And he's like, I'm going to submit your resume. And I'm like, all right. So, and he's like, call him. I'm like, I'll call him tomorrow. And he's like, call now. And next thing I know, my phone rings and it's the owner calling me like, hey, can you come in for an interview? And he's like, and I'm like, when? He's like, right now. I'm like, yeah. So like, I go down there and like an hour later, I have a job. Now
0: like,
1: director of operations was a fancy name for like janitor at the time. (laughs) You know, like I swept the floors, I cleaned the bathrooms, I vacuumed the turf for the other trainers to, you know, do the training. Um, But I'll tell you, like, I was the best janitor that place has ever seen. Nobody swept floors better than I did. Nobody cleaned the turf better than I did. And what I did was I watched the trainers and I took courses in the background, you know, because I thought maybe it's something I wanted to do. And soon enough, a trainer left, and I, you know, started taking youth clients. And um, another trainer left, and all I took every staff development class I could. And um, sooner than later, it was just me and another trainer running the show. And and then I got offered an opportunity to work with some um, professional athletes at a primarily a baseball performance training center um, up in Mayapac, where I am now. Um, and I was offered to be a, a director of um, multi-sport development. So I was able to create football, um, basketball, and lacrosse and speed training programs into um, this this new uh, facility. And, and it was awesome because it, it, challenged me to I was in charge all of a sudden I you know had a um, significant role I was a head speed trainer and um, I really enjoyed it and, and unfortunately we had a couple floods and um, some some weird stuff happened and basically uh, one day I was just told um, tomorrow we're going to close we're going to shut down because this lawsuit the floods and the health board I don't know what it, I truly don't <laughs> know the whole story but um so you don't have a job tomorrow and uh, at that time i had about 12 clients and um you know weekly clients and fortunately i had a uh, my best friend james brady um he runs a quarterback training business and, and that's a very specific business to be able to you know run as a career because it's just quarterbacks and um he's a very successful he's one of the best coaches in the country and uh, I leaned on him. I was like, do you think I could do this? Like, do you, you know, he kind of set the example for me and he's been a mentor to me. And so I went for it. And, uh, at that time I had no idea what I was doing. I've never taken a business course. I've never, um, you know, I, I, I don't know if I can like kind of curse on here, but I know too,
0: yeah.
1: <laughs> don't be a dick and help people. You know, like, yeah. that's what I know, you know? And so, but I have a lot of friends that are business guys and, and I would say to them, like, what do I need to do? What, what you know? And I told you like, one said, "Oh, you got to form an LLC." I didn't even know what it stood for, but I knew I needed it, so I did it. You know, and then I had to get domain names. I had to, you know, and and one thing happened at a time, and, and all of a sudden, you know, um, here I am. I'm, I'm uh, I never thought I'd be coaching girls lacrosse ever, um, but I'm coaching varsity girls lacrosse team, extremely successful one, and I love doing it. I, I work with uh, the best players in the country uh, across you know, the whole East coast now. And, um, I'm really grateful. You know, I, I, think, I think I'm a good lacrosse coach. I think I know, I think I know what I'm doing, but I also approach every day as if I don't know anything, you know, I, I'm, I'm constantly learning and studying new habits and new, um, methodologies and, you know, asking other coaches, picking other coaches brains. And, um, I call it, it's a Bruce Lee term. It's called the white belt mentality. You know, he, he's a, quadruple black belt but he says the reason he's so successful is because he approaches every day as if he's a white belt and um that's what I try to do and I think that's that's allowed me to you know not only um connect with these athletes on a personal level in the terms of like I try to relate to them and be a friend you know more than a coach but also um you know not try to push only my way on them you know kind of not pretend that I know everything, um, but you know, provide them with the best of what I know right now. You know, and that might change tonight, um, but I'm going to give you the best of what I know. You know, and I and if if you have another way, I want to hear it. I want to hear from you. I want the athletes to debate me in questions, and you know, because you might say, "Hey, Coach Petro from Johns Hopkins, you know, taught me this way," and I might be like, "He's right." that's a better way. Let's, we're going to go with that, you know? So, and, and I'm not afraid to, you know, admit that. So I think my whole path has to where I am now has been just a constant journey of learning and just like, you know, wanting to improve and, and um, with no real sense of an end result, but just other than learning and trying to get better. And as long as I'm enjoying the process, I don't really think about what's next because it just happens.
0: Yeah. Wow. I love, I love the white belt analogy of kind of always keeping yourself in check because something I say a lot is I know that I still don't know a lot and I'm always still trying to learn in so many different ways. And it doesn't matter who you are. You could be Einstein. You could be anyone. Everybody can still learn something from someone else. So I love, love that approach. And also too, just seeing that somebody else got out of the rat race. I always love seeing someone kind of tap into their passion and purpose. And it seems like you feel like you're really Tapping into that now, which is cool.
1: Yeah, I, I really do. I, I think about it every day. How like I used to go to bed, you know, dreading the next day of work. You know, dreading waking up, and and now I sometimes I, I'm I I struggle to fall asleep because I'm so excited for the next day of work. And I think like that that is um, I think if you can if you get to that point where you can't sleep because you're so excited to go to work. Um, you know, you're, you should, you're probably on the right path.
0: Yeah. I would totally agree with that. (laughs) That's so cool. It's so inspiring to, to see, you know, where you are now and everything you've done. And something you had mentioned the other day was kind of flipping a little bit of a switch here. You said something about the power of negative thinking that I think is something that's really interesting that a lot of people would resonate with right now. So do you want to kind of elaborate on that a little bit?
1: Yeah. Um, so over the, um, over the quarantine, um, you know, we couldn't play sports and, and our lacrosse seasons were at least postponed for the most part and, and later canceled, but, you know, all the teams were still having workouts online and, you know, film studies and, you know, staying in touch. My team, we were doing it three days a week, um, but this, this local varsity boys team um, asked me to speak to uh, present to their players, and before me were, like, some of the most brilliant minds in lacrosse, like, or professional players that are, um, you know, just, uh, really knowledgeable and, um, you know, wealth of information. And I was like, oh man, like, um, what am I going to present to these guys about? And, uh, their coach said, you know, we'd love to hear something about the mental piece. And, um, you know, I was thinking about it and, uh, What I've what I had been trying to avoid saying to my team, my girls varsity team was it's hard for something that's never resonated with me is when someone just tells me to stay positive. Because, you know, as a kid, it's like, oh, you know, I just tore my ACL and you want me to be positive or, you know, my my senior season is canceled, you know, because of coronavirus. You want me to just stay positive? Like, I don't think you can just say, you know, flip a switch and be like, oh, I'm positive now you know, because someone told me to be, I think it, it depends on your habits and routines and what you think about, like, but it's, it requires like training and, and, um, but I didn't want to like try to train them in meditation and, you know, um, breath work or, you know, I, like I, like I said, that's like AP chemistry for high school kids. And if someone tried to tell me how to do that stuff, I would have looked at him like, I'm not meditating, you know, <laughs> like, mm-hmm. but at the time, you know, now it's, it's really like saves my life every day. But, um, you know, so what I what I what I chose to talk about was I, I I'm a big like I listen to a ton of podcasts and I listened to this um, podcast by this I believe he's a Ph psychology PhD, he's an author, a speaker. Um, his name's Trevor Mwad and he did this study on the power of negative thinking. And I loved it because instead of telling these kids to be positive, I wanted to present them with the alternative and and help them to understand that negative thinking is real and it's more powerful than positive thinking. Um, So this study, basically what they found was when you think a negative thought in your head, it's 10 times more powerful than a, I'm sorry. When you think a negative thought in your head, it's four to seven times more powerful than a positive thought. So, and then when you speak negativity out loud, it's 10 times more powerful so if you were to speak a negative thought out loud you thought it which is 47 times more powerful and then you spoke it out loud which makes it 40 to 70 percent more powerful than not saying something positive out loud so um what i you know explained to them was that's the alternative and um what what i suggested as a rule on the team is just no talking negatively out loud you know just no um, complaining, no bad mouthing coaches, teammates. You know, complaining about practice or anything like that. You know, we can't teach them how to meditate and you know regulate their emotions and, and all that kind of stuff. But we can we cannot make it worse. You know, we cannot um, have one guy complaining and and you know bad mouthing their team and, and you know leads to another guy and another <laughs> guy and eventually you have a crack in the framework of your culture, um, and the kids loved it. They, you know, I presented them with some stories and and I can go into those also, um, of kind of, kind of evidence of that. Um, but you know, uh, what it is, is that negative thought when you think about it, when you're sitting in your, you know, sitting alone and you, I know for me, I start telling myself stories that don't exist. You know, I start, if I'm alone too long and I have nothing to do, or, you know, my phone isn't ringing for some reason, I just start telling myself stories. And, um, it affects me a lot more negatively when I think like that than when I'm sitting there thinking about all the great things in my life. Like the emotions are a lot stronger when I'm thinking negatively. I'm a lot more sad or upset or, you know, angry than I am like joyful and like grateful and everything. When I'm thinking positively, it's just a stronger pull. And I think, um, the power of negativity is real. And, And instead of trying to tell people to stay positive, present them with the alternative, um, and I, you know, as a kid, I needed proof, you know, I always needed like evidence. Okay. You know, tell me, tell me how you know that, you know, so real quick, I'll, I'll tell you one story of uh, story of Bill Buckner in the 1986 world series. Um, he was a gold glove first baseman um, for the Red Sox. And uh, 12 days before the world series, he, he was asked, um, you know, what's, what's the dream here, you know, uh, for, for the Red Sox. And he said, well, the, the dream would to be win the World Series, but the nightmare would to be to lose the World Series on a game-winning run with ball going through my legs. 12 days later, that exact same thing happened. Ball went through his legs and they lost the World Series. Um, now, did he make that happen? No, but what they suggest is that it's a subconscious plant in the back of your mind, and when that situation presents itself, there's a millisecond or two that you freeze because you're subconscious says oh my god here it is and you freeze and it and it's from the glove you know being at your ankles to the ground is about a couple milliseconds and the ball slides under and um you know i think that 40 to 70 percent um is actually just increasing the probability or possibility of it happening it's not making it happen but it's increasing the probability um and then you know there's another example of um a more, ex- more extreme example of, um, there was this engineer, a mechanic, and he was, uh, back in the, about 30 years ago, he was hired to fix a, a refrigerator boxcar on a train. And so he goes to the back to the boxcar, and um, I guess, you know, the, the, it wasn't working, so he goes back there and he locks himself in. So he's locked in a refrigerator boxcar, and he thinks, oh, I'm going to freeze to death. Um, So he's, you know, pacing around, he's trying to stay warm and all of a sudden like he grabs a paper and pen because as humans, what our job is, is to observe and report. We observe how we're feeling and then we acknowledge it. That's why people ask, how are you doing? You're not, you're observing how you're feeling and reporting it. And um, he started writing how he was feeling. He said, I'm getting colder. You know, I feel my breath is slowing down. My heart rate is slowing down. I'm about to fall asleep. And then he finally says, these may be my last words. Um, a few hours later, people find him in the refrigerated box car, they open the door and they check the thermostat and it says 56 degrees. So wow. Wow. the theory is that he actually talked his body into dying or freezing to death. Um, you know, and there, there were a bunch of other examples, but, um, you know, I think, uh, what I've learned is through, through meditation and through the power of thinking in general. We're able to do things with our body just by thinking them, you know, we can heal injuries faster by moving cells to that injury, you know, with our mind. Um, you know, we can, we can create heat and we can create, um, you know, oxygen in our body and relieve emotions and stuck energy by inviting more oxygen into our body and reaching those spots in our body, you know, that we hold, you know, negative, negative um, anxiety, you know, trauma, grief, loss, um, in those pockets of our body. That's why, you know, we always talk about, I feel it in my gut. I feel it tightness in my chest. I, you know, um, sometimes, you know, we think we have injuries and really it's, it's actually like an emotional trauma that's like s- stored in your hip, you know, and it feels like hip tightness, but really it's like just stuck energy. Um, so, you know, that, that's kind of power of negative thinking. And, um, you know, I thought, I think it's a really cool concept to, understand for people you know rather than be positive because it's just hard to just do that
0: yeah it's unrealistic too to expect someone to be positive all the time because it's so much easier said than done and and I like this approach too because I haven't really encountered someone that's kind of approached it this way but I feel like for a lot of people it's something that'll resonate especially right now and I know for me too whenever I'm like you said when you're alone and you're sitting with your thoughts. When I feel those, or when I'm thinking those negative thoughts there's such a strong emotion that's attached to those. Like when I get really anxious, I feel that so strongly as opposed to when I'm feeling really happy. Like I feel that feeling, but I don't feel it as strongly as I do that negative emotion. If I'm dwelling on something so much and saying, Oh, well, what if this, what if that? So if you could even like showcase to someone that they have the power to control that just a little bit by alleviating some of the negative thinking, not always saying they have to be positive all the time. I think that's really powerful.
1: Right. Or, or it's as simple as like, when you do have a negative thought, like think of the opposite, like what's the opposite positive thought, just acknowledge it. So you kind of just at least cancel it out. You know, yeah. um, you know, and I, you mentioned like, it's impossible to be positive all the time. Nobody's possible. Nobody's positive all the time. Everyone's going to have bad days. Everyone's going to like, you know, have, you know, peaks and valleys. I think for me, the, the, thing I used to be is I used to be like this, you know, my, my emotions just be like this. And I think now they're a little more carved and, you know, I don't get too high or too low. Um, but, uh, the quote that I heard is, um, most happy people that I know understand that they're not always going to be happy. And that resonated with me a lot in the sense that like, most of the time I'm happy most of the time I'm in a good place, but there are definitely days where I'm not, we're going to lose people. We're going to lose, you know, friends. We're going to, um, we're going to lose, you know, things in our life. Things are going to happen that, you know, are, are sad and they're going to hurt, you know, and it's going to cause pain. And, you know, we have to work through them. We have to face them and, you know, um, process and, you know, another friend taught me that bad days build better days. And I think that's, that's a good one too.
0: Yeah, that is a good one. Because like you said, it's not always going to be sunshine and daisies. And I think a big part of it too is coming to a place of accepting that, that things are going to happen that are out of your control, but you always have the control of how you respond to things and how you internalize things. So, so true. It
1: took me a long time to learn acceptance.
0: Yeah, that's a huge thing. And even becoming self-aware
1: of like your thought patterns. Right. Right. Yeah. Acceptance. Acceptance is a tough one. It's always been for me. I still I still have a hard time with it. But, you know, I've gotten so much better of accepting that, like I'm powerless over a lot of things. Um, And, you know, I'm not always going to be in control of things and kind of let go and, you know. let God or the universe or, you know, work its way out. So,
0: yeah. So kind of to segue into another little uh, rabbit hole. I know that you're really into meditation and I always love asking people about their experience with meditation and what it does for them. So if you want to kind of share a little bit of that, love to hear.
1: Yeah. It's something a, I never thought I'd do. Like I said, when I was uh, younger, if someone tried to, you know, get me to meditate, I'd, I'd I'd call you like your, your looney tune. I'm not meditating, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, you know, my, my mom, you know, she does, you know, my mom, she does spinning. She does, um, you know, she does all these different methods, and she, you know, and, and I always used to call them voodoo, I'd be like, mom, that's voodoo, you know, and, and now, like, I'm the most voodoo person in our house, um, you know, and, and meditation has probably been the number one improvement I've ever made in my life, um, it was, at, I started doing it at a time when I was in a very dark place, and um, it was really, like, I had no other, nothing else worked, you know, my way didn't work. Um, I kept failing over and over and it was like a really hard, um, thing for me. And I started meditating and praying really, I didn't even know what I was praying to. I didn't feel like I could meditate. And, um, you know, my, some of my mentors and people in my life were like, just being quiet and just sitting with yourself is meditating. And there's no way, there's no wrong way to do it. There's, um, you know, I was like, I can't turn my brain off, and they're like, don't, you know, what are you thinking Acknowledge what you're thinking about, you know, like it's telling you something, Um, so I started, you know, doing that, and I started just practicing. I started YouTube and guided meditations. I started, you know, and all of a sudden, they they got longer, and I started, like, it would be over, and I'd stay in the meditation, and I'd, you know, start to be able to visualize things, and I started to um, try different kinds of meditations, like like astral projection, and um, all these different kinds, and transcendental meditation and um all of a sudden like my life starts changing you know good things start happening to me I never thought you know that was going to happen I was like all oh, this bad things started happening to me and you know and and I realized like these things are not happening to me they're happening for me and I learned that through meditation um and it's bizarre because uh the person I am today, I never thought that I would be meditating and I would be doing things like breath work and I would be, you know, um, I wouldn't say that I, I'm religious. I would say that I'm spiritual, but I have a higher power that I, you know, am connected with and I know is real and, um, connected to energy and I feel it. And I'm aware of my surroundings. I, I think even just like five years ago, I think about the way I thought and the way I saw the world and the way I perceived myself as like a different person. So I, and I would say that meditation has been the number one game changer in all of that, or at least the Kickstarter in all of that. So,
0: yeah, I love that you said things happen for me rather than to me. That's something that's so powerful because that's something I've experienced too, is kind of learning to. I used to be stuck in a mindset too of, oh my gosh, why is this happening to me? Why am I experiencing this? Why am I not doing this and that, whatever. And when you take a step back and kind of realize there's something to be learned from every experience, even if it's something you would maybe label as negative, there's always something that we can learn from it. And there's also something I wanted to ask you too, because you mentioned astral projection, have you had any of those, uh, experiences?
1: Yeah. Yeah, I have. Um, I don't do it that much anymore. I had this like one really like crazy experience with it, um, where like, I actually like had like, a, I was so scared and it was like so crazy to me that I had, I had I actually stopped meditating for like, maybe like six months after it. Um, Whoa. I could, I could tell you about it. It's I, yeah I, I want to hear <laughs> all the time. I'm more, I meditate more now than ever, but, uh, Basically, I, I was practicing astral projection. It was like a suggestion on, my, on YouTube one day. And I just, I didn't even know what it was. And so I started doing it. And it's like, you can't really do it unless you, that is a part of meditation, like to actually do, you have to practice because it's an out of body experience. You leave your physical body with your astral body or your spirit body. And um, so I've been practicing it and I was kind of getting it, but I realized like now that I was more visualizing my body leaving. My out of body. I was more picturing it. I wasn't actually doing it. Um, and then one time I just ran into this one meditation where like, I don't know if it was the sound effects or like the way it was being spoken to me or what, um, where my, you know, where my mind was at at the time. Um, but this like sound of like, they had this like sound of like a wind tunnel and it was like preparing you to leave your body and it was going, and, <laughs> and I left my body, but I got like stuck and I could like see the other side of like this different dimension. And, but it was like, it, it was beautiful, but it was like kind of blurry and like it wouldn't like let me see it until I like truly left my body, like left my physical body. And I could feel like my soul, like above myself but like it was like this tug of war and basically what it was telling me was like you can't see this until you're willing to truly let go and I like had this like fear of like I couldn't let go I couldn't like trust it like and um ended up opening my eyes and I was like sweating and I was like oh my god like because it would really proved to me like there's something else out there and there's other places and dimensions and they're beautiful and it it also taught me like something inside of me is not dealt with because I'm not able to trust or let go you know enough where um, or I have some fear that you know I need to address because I I couldn't do it and it like it like got me away from that I haven't really done it since then Um, but uh, so (laughs) that's one meditation where like I didn't really know what I was doing. And all of a sudden, yeah, like, yeah. this thing happened. And, you know, usually with that, like, I think you have, like, a teacher or, like, an instructor. But, um, you know, I just went for it. But, uh, you know, I, it's amazing. Any kind of meditation is meditation is meditation is, is powerful. Uh, and I think what the most important thing is you find what works for you, you know. Um, and the more you do it, the more you get from it, you know, the more benefits you get from it. Um, And just to touch on, you know, we talked about, I think for me, one of the biggest mindset or inner game switches you can say is that these things are not happening to me, that they're happening for me. But the other thing is, when you go through your daily life, one of the things I always preach about, whether we're at practice, whether we're training, whether we're at the gym, whether we're, you know, doing something that's hard, I, I tell them, look, guys, we don't have to do this, we get to do this. You know, and that's the other, you know, side of that, that those are the two things that I think if we can win that inner game. And those are two huge ones that, you know, have been beneficial to me.
0: Yeah, I love I love flipping around that mindset of how you interpret things. But to go back to the astral projection, I've always been way too afraid to even try it. And I'm I've been curious about it, but I'm like, oh, no, I'm too scared because I've had some strange experiences with like lucid dreaming, sleep paralysis, stuff like that, and I've had dreams where I have shadow people in the corner and I'm too afraid to even like acknowledge that too. So I've had some weird stuff with that, but it's something that I'm, I'm definitely curious about even more so now. Um, so
1: yeah, yeah. I, I haven't had, um, like sleep paralysis. I, I, I do lucid dreams sometimes I used to do it all the time. Um, and I love that being able to kind of control what's so going on. cool and know that you're dreaming but like you're like oh but i'm still asleep and you can kind of it's
0: manipulate. like a video game you can do whatever yeah. you want
1: <laughs> yeah and it's like and then you even know like you're kind of waking up and you're like no 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 yeah but um so yeah
0: yeah it's cool stuff
1: i think, I think with meditation you just start simple start with a guided meditation of a body scan and just notice how you feel yeah. afterwards you know or if you're feeling anxious? Do a guided meditation on releasing anxiety, or letting go, or forgiveness, or you know, healing, and just listen and breathe.
0: <laughs> yeah, I remember in high school there was a theology class that I took because so I went to a Catholic high school. So and did I. yeah, so um, they had us. One of my teachers, Mrs. O'Mani, I'll never forget. She had us meditate in class for five minutes, and at that time, it was the most uncomfortable thing to me i was just sitting there crisscross applesauce in the corner like oh this is so weird it's quiet why am i thinking this why am i you know thinking about this movie i watched two days ago Thinking about what shoes i want to wear tomorrow and it's i think something important is that it's uncomfortable at first at least it was for me to just sit with your thoughts and like sit with yourself is really kind of an awkward thing and it takes a little while to get used to so guided meditations are great for that
1: two things what really stood out to me is that you use the words crisscross applesauce, <laughs> which like I have such a problem with because like all the all the girls that I train always say that and I'm like it's sitting in <laughs> style, you know, or it's sitting yeah. the style, you know, like and uh, <laughs> they always say crisscross applesauce. It's like this like inside joke with like a bunch of like,
0: that's jokes. so funny.
1: So so that stood out, but um, you know, also yeah, I think uh meditation requires you to look inward and it requires you to look at yourself, and I think that's the problem that revolves around the stigma of why meditation is, uh, you know, voodoo or, you know, like the way I used to view it. But in reality, it's like people are afraid to look at themselves. People are afraid to look inward and find something that they don't like about themselves or acknowledge something that they need to be better at. um, And they're fearful. And really it's, it's um, they're afraid to be vulnerable and honest with themselves. So they choose to, you know, project negativity or, you know, hate onto something that, you know, it's hugely beneficial for people. I'm very passionate about that because I was one of those people, you know, and, and but I've also, I'm on the other side now where I realized how wrong I was about meditation, you know, and, and it was that I was afraid to look inward because there are a lot of things I didn't like about myself, you know, but, I, and when I did, a lot of times it was hard because it told me a lot of things about myself that, you know, I didn't want to look at. Um, but I think what also meditation does is it, it it puts you in a direction of working through it. It also coaches you how to get through it, you know, and how to work through it. So um, I really like, you know, that point.
0: Yeah, definitely. And I think to kind of, to go off of that a little, I think sometimes, or most of the time, people are afraid of what they don't understand or they, you know, there is a fear of the unknown. And I think that meditation and diving So deeply inward is a huge unknown for a lot of people and it's scary. So like you said, guided meditations are a great place to start, even if it's just like five minutes of breathing, you know, anything to kind of also just put you in the present moment. Like I know for me, meditation is something that always brings me back to the present because Alan Watts talks a lot about the eternal now and how if we spend too much time dwelling on the past or worrying about the future, that takes away a lot of our happiness. And if we can just be fully present in this moment that's when we can kind of take our power back. So, yeah.
1: I totally agree. I, I love what Alan Watts preaches. And I love when people teach me what he says, because whenever I read Alan Watts or I I listen to him, like, I don't feel smart enough. I can't like the way he speaks. is so eloquent and so like beautiful, but also very like, um, intelligent. And it's like, I'm just not smart enough to to
0: try to figure (laughs) it out.
1: So, um, you know, but there's a, uh, it's like, I need the cliff notes sometimes.
0: No, I feel that way too. He's very <laughs> heady philosophical. Yeah. He's, he's one you have to read over a couple of times to really yes. understand.
1: <laughs> yeah. If you're not present when you're reading Alan Watts, you're not going to yeah
0: talking about. <laughs> Legit though. Um. Yeah. That's awesome about all the meditation stuff. And you mentioned something too about how you do, I don't know what the word is for, but you, you take cold showers, like really cold showers. If you want to explain how that kind of ties into your being present.
1: Yeah. So cold shower or cold exposure, um, is something that, um, one, it it forces you to be present because it it puts you into a, a fight or flight mode where, um, you can only be present in that moment. Um, but also it it's in terms of, um, discipline and and the things that it teaches is like, it sucks. I've never taken a cold shower that I enjoy. It sucks every time, but that's part of why I do it. It's like, one of the things I talk about every day is like, do one thing a day that sucks that you don't want to do. And you're going to learn discipline and you're going to get a lot better at doing the things you don't want to do because they make you better. But it also, you know, improves your immune system in the morning. It wakes you up. Um, you know, it, it, it immediately, um, you know, activates your body and, and, uh, your central nervous system. Um, you know, so that's when I do it. I don't do it every day. I try to, um, but there's definitely days where I wimp out and there's definitely days Mm -hmm. where I have every intention of doing it for 30 seconds and I get to like six and I'm like, not today. Um, you know, but when I do do it, I feel good about it. And I'm like, damn, that sucked. But I just improved a lot of things, you know, by, by doing it. And, um, I think it, for me, it forces me to be present in that moment. I've always struggled to find the present moment. And it's like, if that's the extreme thing I need to do to, to start my day, to be present, then I'm, I'm going to do that. Because I know that I'm, I'm a much more nice person to be around, um, not only for other people, but also myself, um, when I'm present and I'm not projecting into the future or, you know, tripping on the past. Um, so cold exposure. Um, it's also part of um, my breathwork that I've uh, initiated in my life recently over the last few months. I have a breathwork instructor who's, who's also coach Coach Brady. He's uh, my best friend. He's my breathwork instructor. He's a quarterback coach. He's my business mentor. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, He's your
0: go-to guy.
1: <laughs> he really is. He really, I mean, like, I live on my own and sometimes I get lonely. I'm like, dude, what are you doing? He's like, he's like, come to Long Beach. I'm like, all right. (laughs) Um, You know, so, um, and breath work basically allow It, it allows us to invite, um, oxygen into our body. It's a healing, um, form of, of work and, um, it's healing. It's, it's, it improves your immune system. It, it activates, um, cell all the cells in your body it alkalines your body it works with breath retention Uh, you know the other day i was able to hold my breath for up to three minutes and like whoa couldn't hold my breath for 40 seconds and now it's you know i can do it for three minutes and uh you know that that kind of presence um being able to be still for three minutes and not even realize that you're holding your breath um but it's also had so much benefits to me in terms of like healing old wounds and healing um, grief and trauma and, and uh, releasing anxiety and letting go and forgiveness and compassion for myself and um, has all those, you know, and um, all those benefits. So the amazing thing is like, just like meditation, people hear the word breath work they're like breath work, you know? And I'm like, yes, breath work. Like, nothing in this world works without, nothing living in this world works without breathing, without oxygen, you know, and um, it's the one thing that we need, you know, without it, nothing else works. Um, So why not trust it like you trust, you know, your feet uh, being on the ground, you know? Um, So it's just another area that, you know, I've added to my life that works for me,
0: yeah, it's so cool too. Like, one day. yeah, no, I'm I definitely want to learn. have James
1: teach you, but I'll do it with you. Yeah,
0: no, I'm down.
1: Group, group is apparently really cool. I haven't done it yet, but I, I what really is it? Look forward to it? Like, group breath work.
0: Oh, okay. You
1: no, know, it's kind of like you know, when, med- when people meditate on the same thing, the
0: power mm-hmm. of that
1: thought or the power of that intention is like multiplied. Oh, yeah. Um, so it's the same thing with breath work, the frequency and energy is multiplied when you know, more than one person's doing it together. Um, Yeah. You know, so I think, you know, I I haven't done it yet, but I'm really excited to.
0: Yeah, that would be cool. I always love seeing too how, you know, you said how people, why don't they trust it in the same way they trust their feet being on the ground. I know for me, when I am really good with meditating consistently for a long time, I see my resting heart rate drop like 10 points, however you say it. Um, and that's just one way that I can, if I ever kind of lose sight of it, which I have during this whole situation, I've kind of stopped or, you know, whatever. Um, when I look back at that, I'm like, okay, this, this is a tangible change. Like this isn't just, like you said, a voodoo kind of thing, you know, it's, it has real physical benefits that that you can see that you can feel and experience.
1: It really does. I mean, to me, these things, I wouldn't do them if I didn't know they worked. You know, if I didn't, the word you use was feel. It's very easy to feel that when you change or introduce a winning habit into your life or, you know, you introduce something new into your life and all of a sudden you're feeling better and you think about like, well, what am I doing differently? And you realize like, oh, I'm meditating or, oh, I'm doing breath work. Or, oh, I'm, you know, going for a run every day. And it's like, and you feel better. It's like, okay, this is working. Yeah. Um, and then you see things like resting heart rate. And, and for me, it's like, I'm not flipping people off. I haven't flipped somebody off on the highway for cutting me off in years. <laughs> you know, like I, I don't yeah. I let them go. I'm not, you know, it's like I don't you know, someone cuts me off, my heart doesn't increase, I don't get angry, I'm just like, Go ahead, you know.
0: <laughs> yeah. So,
1: um, and that's a result of these kind of practices that I introduced. You know, I don't I don't get too, you know, high or too low and uh try to accept that I can't control everything and people are going to, can't change anybody. Can't, um, you know, force anybody to behave a certain way. You can't, you know, make somebody do something. You can't make things happen. You can't, um, you know, so you,
0: yeah,
1: it's a lot easier when you accept, realize those things.
0: Acceptance is huge. Like that's, that is probably the biggest thing of all. Right.
1: I think when you live from a place of acceptance, you're you're able to, like you said before, respond, you know, with a clear mind of like, I may not have wanted it to be this way. And I know how I, you know, my irrational mind wants me to act, you know, and lash out and be angry and upset and say something I shouldn't say. And, you know, then you have your rational mind or, or the good wolf says like, no, take a step back and analyze the situation and realize like what's going on and and respond in a healthy way. Um, And like I said in the beginning that, you know, doing the right thing doesn't always feel good, you know, but it's still the right thing. And at the end of the day, it's going to feel better, you know, Um, eventually. It may not feel good in the moment, but it will feel you'll feel good about it eventually.
0: Yeah, for sure. And I think acceptance, too, helps with being less reactionary of the things that happen to us because it's so easy to get stuck in that rut of something bad happens, you instantly lash out or you're instantly upset, you're instantly angry or sad. Or when you kind of take the time to go inward, it helps you to accept things as they come to you and recognize that, yes, you do have the, the control over how you respond to things. It's really empowering in a way.
1: It really is, right? Yeah. There's the, there's a lot of times where, you know, I immediately want to react, and I and I take a step back, and I handle a situation um, that I used to handle so poorly, and I handle it really well, and in a mature and respectful, healthy manner. And I, you know, after it, I'm like, "Good job, man! Hmm. You would not have done that." You know, yeah, a for the day. I, <laughs> you know, and it's like that's a yeah, that's a win for the day. Yeah. And small little of, steps. Every, exactly. Every, every small victory is yeah. the biggest, you know, I always say to my athletes that the little things are the big things, you know, and the the most successful people on in the world, whether it's in sports and music and, you know, right and writing or, you know, whatever it is. Um, the difference is that they understand that it's the little things that make them great. And it's the little things that they do because everyone does the big things. Everyone does the big things, but the greatest on earth don't miss a day of doing the little things because they know that's what makes them great.
0: Yeah. And that's a part of discipline too, you know, keeping yourself accountable with those little things.
1: 100%. And I think for anybody, you know, listening, it's important. You know, what I always say is like, I don't do it every day. I don't win every day. In terms of like, there's days that I don't work out when I should, there's days that I take shortcuts and there's days that I don't do the right thing when I should, you know, and, but I just try to do better the next day. And I just try to, you know, be a little more consistent than I am inconsistent. And eventually like you just get a little more consistent, a little more consistent and eventually you're just consistent where it just becomes a part of your daily life. And it's not a struggle anymore. Um, so, I think it's always important that I acknowledge that with people. It's like, I don't do anything perfectly and I don't, you know, do this every day. I try to, but if I do, you know, if I do a few of these things right every day, I'm probably in a pretty good place.
0: Yeah. And to kind of have some grace with yourself too, right? I know for me, I'm always the one that puts the most pressure on myself sometimes if I need to do this, 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 I need to work out, I need to get this done and Sometimes it's okay to take that pressure off of yourself and just accept if there's a day that it's not going to happen, it's not going to happen. And it's yeah. hard. It's been hard for me to accept that. But um, yeah, not every day. Not every day is going to be a win, like you said.
1: I, uh, I have a few things that if I do them every day, that's a win. Or if I do, you know, there's a couple things that like I try to figure out that if I just do one or two of these things, like I didn't lose today, Um, you know, but there are days where I'm, you know, kind of win. there are days where I really win, there are days like, you know, rarely do I just straight up lose where I do nothing. But, um, you know, even if it's like a matter of like, I'm so upset or so angry about something like just forcing myself to smile. That's enough for that day because for those few moments, like, scientifically by forcing ourselves to smile if we just smile we feel better it's it's just in our DNA that if we smile it will feel better so like even when you don't want to you force it for that two seconds you're going to feel better and sometimes if the pain is great enough you'll take it you know so um winning those little small victories and knowing you know when to use them is is huge um but you're not going to win them every time so that's all right You know, I I still struggle with it. I beat myself up all the time. I always think I'm not doing enough, you know. But at the same time, like, if people ask me why I'm successful at what I do, I will straight up say, like, because nobody will outwork me. And I firmly believe that. But there are days where, like, I'm sitting around. I'm like, I'm not doing enough. Meanwhile, like, I just worked 16 hours. And just, like, literally couldn't squeeze another minute in the day. You know, so being, you know, not giving yourself shortcuts, but also – realizing like, and acknowledging that, like, no, I really am doing the best I can right now. So,
0: yeah, there's a fine line between the two, you know, holding yourself accountable and making sure that you're doing the most you can, but also, like I said, having some grace with yourself and realizing it's okay sometimes to not, to not be a hundred percent all the time.
1: Yep. Mm -hmm. Um, I think like going back to consistency, You know, there's three things that, like, um, if someone asks me, like, what separates you, you know, from other coaches or trainers or something, and I say, like, well, um, you may, maybe you work harder than me, you know, maybe you work smarter than me, you know, I'm not the most intelligent person, I don't prioritize and probably organize things as well as others, I, I know I probably don't, but you will not try your best to work hard and smart for as long as I will. You know, I will try to do that every day, you know, and that's, I think the difference is like the consistency of, um, of it is the most important thing.
0: Yeah, definitely. Consistency is key. I say that all the time. It's huge. Yeah. Um, so kind of segueing a little bit, what would you say? I mean, we've talked so much about consistency and, holding yourself accountable. What would you say is your biggest tip right now to kids that are in school that um, maybe aren't a part of their sports team anymore because of everything that's happened? What would your biggest tip of advice be for kind of navigating that?
1: Um, the first thing I would say is I would um, want to connect with the seniors because I I still um, feel terrible for, for my seniors, um, the girls on my team, Was a group of seniors that um, most coaches, you know, never get. I mean, they were the best group of leaders and seniors, and the maturity level of them was just incredible. Um, And throughout the quarantine, they showed up to every virtual workout when they didn't have to. You know, their senior year, they, you know, season's over, they didn't have to show up. They could have could have mailed it in, but they showed up because they cared about everybody below them. And um, you know, I'm sure a lot of seniors across the country are doing that. And I think the biggest lesson for them is to realize that they are going to leave a legacy of like leading a generation when it was one of the hardest times for sports. And they were the people that the people below them looked up to for that guidance. And, um, you know, they learned, they learned acceptance. They learned, um, controlling what you can control. Um, they learned being there for, um, the people that look up to them. Um, being in a position of leadership, and, and those those traits will carry them through their life. So that that's you know, that's one thing I think is important to a, to address to them, and I think for you know the rest of the players and and them also is um, it's hard to work towards something or a goal that you don't know if you're going to get an opportunity to reach. You know, well, most schools across the country and and programs were every two weeks being postponed. And they you know, it wasn't canceled right away. So it's really hard to be motivated to work towards something that you don't know if you're gonna get an opportunity to have or you don't know what it looks like. You know, it's hard to work towards your goal, it's not established. It's hard to find motivation to work towards something when you don't even know when you're gonna get an opportunity to do it. And a lot of players are still in that. They don't know if they're gonna have summer, you know, seasons. They don't know if they're football players are thinking about it, you know, and, and fall sport players are not sure if they're what their fall season's gonna look like. Um, It's hard to be motivated, and I get that. Um, I think for me, the biggest piece of advice I can have, and I can only really speak on my experience and what works for me, um, but and I know it works for a lot of people, is creating a, a structure and a routine in your life. I always performed better when I had routine and structure in my life, and I always found it interesting that when I was playing a sport, my grades were always better. Than when I wasn't playing a sport, I would have a lot more time for homework and stuff. But I was getting worse grades, um, and it was because I had structure. So I was expected to do things at certain points of the day. Um, so using tools like Plan, if if you're if you're not working right now or or you're um, you know not you don't have team practices, you don't really have much to do because kids don't have responsibilities like adults. And my biggest concern for you know my my players and all the athletes I work with was you know they don't have responsibilities like adults where they have work they have to pay bills if you know um you know they they have jobs every day um these kids have school and sports and both of them were taken away from them so like one of the things I was telling my varsity girls we didn't know like what was going on in the beginning I was like don't go hang out in boys basements don't, <laughs> don't go do nothing don't go like I was like trying to like keep it safe and like try to like you know, keep them, like, with something to do, and, um, you know, so, uh, I think having routine and structure is really important for them, Um, and just, if you have to make it up, make it up, for me, like, I try to write down my plan for tomorrow, the night before, you know, where it's, like, for me, it has to be, like, almost every hour, in a sense, it never really goes as planned, but at least, like, I have a plan for what I'd like my day to look like, and I start operating on a schedule, um just makes it a lot more productive and a lot more um comfortable I think for me like I get I get anxious and like uncomfortable when I don't know what to do you know or when I you know have there's a lot of things I could do but I don't know where to start you know um so you know if they're still in that time I know things are opening up a little bit but if you know you are still in that time um where you don't have much to do, find a hobby, find something you love to do. I I talk about all the time, like find something you love and do it every day for an hour, you know, whether that's playing sports, whether that's playing guitar or piano or writing music or, you know, solving puzzles or, you know, doing, um, drawing and, and creating art, whatever it is for you, like you should find an hour a day to do that for yourself. So, um, And I would just say, you know, ask yourself, what does the best version of myself look like? And why wouldn't I want to be that person? And if you just ask yourself that, like, you know what you need to do to become that best version of yourself. And if you ask a simple question like that, it's like, well, what would the best version of myself do today? Who wouldn't want to be the best version of themselves? To me, that's motivation.
0: Yeah. Definitely.
1: You know, I think there's a difference between motivation and inspiration. You know, sometimes I think motivation is, it is temporary and sometimes it could be crap. You know, but um, if you're inspired by something, something fuels you and, and burns a fire like in your soul. You know, that's long term kind of
0: stuff. Yeah. If you're really passionate about something, it's not going to just go away overnight. It's not fleeting, you know. Right. And I think structure too is a big part of accountability because if you have a sense of structure then you have a way to hold yourself accountable and I know for me this sounds really silly but something I've done now during this whole situation is making my bed every day like every to-do list the first thing says make bed and that's my first little thing that I cross off my list And it there's people that have talked about this there's a navy seal that went into detail about the 10 benefits of making your bed every day. And it does set you on a course for success for the day. Cause that's one little small victory. Like we talked about, that's one little thing you've already done. So now you're already setting yourself up and not every, it doesn't happen every day. You, you know? wake up
1: and you win the first thing of the day.
0: Yeah, exactly. You know?
1: And, and you know, you, I always start with like, don't hit the snooze button. Yeah. You don't hit the snooze button and then you make your bed. Like you've already got two wins before you even got dressed. Yeah. You know, and you're way more likely to continue those positive little habits. And like the analogy I use is like, you do enough of that. Like eventually you're going to end up in your kitchen doing dishes. Like how did I get here? You
0: know? <laughs> yeah. <That's
1: laughs> you know? So, so um, It's absolutely right. It always starts with that. Um, win the morning and the wind and you'll win the day. Yeah. You know, the time.
0: It definitely does. And something else you said, you said that you do something at night the day before, what did you say you do?
1: You write it a, a list. Or... I write down a plan for the next day. So, like, yeah. if today's Wednesday, like before I go to bed, I'll write down Thursday, and I'll ha- I'll write down my plan for Thursday.
0: I think that's a great tip because something that I've learned is people always kind of say you never want to go to bed angry, and that's something that I really believe in. So I always kind of think that, however you're feeling. Emotionally and energetically or vibrationally before you go to bed is going to translate over to the next day. So, if you can find ways to do something before you go to bed that relaxes you and puts you in a, a place of ease and kind of eliminates any anxiety, that's really huge. And for me right now, it, it sounds like a grandma thing, but I have uh, like bedtime tea every night. And that's like my thing that I do every night. I have my cup of bedtime tea. Too. Yeah.
1: Nothing wrong with that. Yeah. So it's, simple, it's the reason I don't watch horror stories or horror movies, because I know I'm going to have nightmares. Yeah. You know, like, exactly. I don't want to bring that energy into my head before I go to bed, you know? Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's 100% true. You know, what you're thinking about is what you're going to dream about and what you're, you know, going to feel like, you know, in the morning, you know, yeah. you wake up and you have a good dream. You're way more likely to, you know, start the day good. Yeah. You, or you night. wake
0: up and you have a night terror and you wake up sweating like, like whoa holy shit. Yeah.
1: <laughs>
0: yeah, that's not no bueno.
1: <laughs> yeah. So yeah, you know, what, what you put into your mind is really important.
0: Yeah, definitely. And it's kind of it kind of goes back to the idea of what you consume, not just food-wise, right? But what you're consuming in terms of the conversations you're having with the people around you, what you're watching, what you're reading. That is all making you up. That's what I think.
1: And who you're surrounding yourself with. Um, One of my favorite analogies is like, you are the culmination of the five people you surround yourself most with. And it's one of the most true things I've ever heard because everything we do is from influence. And what are we most influenced by? The people around us. So, you know, we have to be really careful about you know, who we surround ourselves with and what quality of people that we're surrounding ourselves with because we are going to become influenced by them um, and, and over time behave like them, even if we don't, you know, agree with it. But if that, that's the only thing that we're hearing and the only like people we're surrounding ourselves with, we're gonna be influenced by um, One of the things I tell the athletes is, show me your friends and I'll tell you your future. You know, um, and that's something that I've learned is, you know, make sure that you're hanging out with the winners, you know, um, and you'll be a winner. You know, you most, you might be the biggest loser on the planet. You surround yourself with five real winners. You're going to become a winner.
0: It's true. Yeah, It totally is. It's, it all adds up. That's, that's my kind of takeaway of it. And obviously yours too. So. Um, any other tips that you'd have for anyone right now? Um, staying motivated.
1: I think people need to, um, think about what they can learn from all this. I think every single person should be coming out of this, um, quarantine in in the state of our world right now, I think humanity should be learning from this and should we should all rise. There's so much good that can come out of this. It's really hard in the moment, but anything great is difficult and requires work and requires um, effort and um, accountability and responsibility. And I think there's a ton of lessons that can be learned right now that could really change, not just ourselves, but change the world if we choose to look and we choose to, um, find those silver linings and find those lessons and I think no matter who you are your life was changed during quarantine in some way um, and no matter what that looks like for you it's a great opportunity to look inward and find out about yourself and um, rethink things you know address things that you couldn't address and um, mend relationships that you've always wanted to, Um, you know, it's, it's a perfect time to heal um, and to, to learn and to, and to love and to um, do the things you've always wanted to do, you know, and told yourself you never had time. Everybody had a little more time during quarantine. Yeah. So um, I think there's still some time left to do all these things. And I don't think that it's ever not the time to practice these things.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I, I think that right now people are waking up in, in a big way to a lot of things across the board. And I think that this is a learning experience for a lot of people and a chance for people to dive inward and to kind of question what we've been led to believe and just kind of examine ourselves a little bit and hopefully learn. And like you said, use this as a time uh, of healing, even though the world might be in a state of chaos right now, you can still have the power to go inward.
1: Yeah. And and I think, you know, the biggest thing that helps me is like when I get in my own head or I start, you know, thinking about, you know, the wrong things or I start getting down on myself, I'm, you know, I've found that getting out of my own self and getting into others is like the biggest thing that helps. It's the easiest way to feel better is helping somebody else. You know, it's funny how it works, but I think we're all on this earth to serve each other and to, to um, be of service to one another, and I think that is the one thing I know will always make you feel better is by helping somebody else. It could be a text. It could be a call. It could be, you know, hey, you need help with that or, you know, whatever it is, you're going to feel good, and, and um, people want to be asked. You know, people want to help. If you need help, ask, because people want to help. You know, I know for me, like, when people ask for my help, it means that they think I'm reliable. It means that they think, like, I'm worthy of, you know, being of service, that, that I can help them, and, and I, I value that, you know, so don't be afraid to ask, you know, and ask how you can help. Um, you know, sometimes all it takes is, like, for some people, it's just knowing that someone's there if they need them. they may not take them at the moment, but knowing that they're there, you know, is enough. Um So whatever that looks like, um, there's no reason not to go for it. You know, it it only helps. It only feels good.
0: Yeah. That's so true. Little things like that go such a long way, you know? Yeah. So I think that's pretty much it on my end, unless you, uh, had anything else you wanted to say where people can find you, where they can see what you're up to.
1: Yeah. So, um, you can find me on Instagram or Facebook um, on Instagram. It's at two wolves performance underscore no at two wolves underscore performance and Facebook um, tools performance and um, tools Um You can reach out. Uh, let me know how I can be of service. Um, let me know if you guys have any feedback, but uh, I think, I, ho- I hope I had an impact on one person at least um, if I can help one person today or that, you know, they learned from either of us, I think that's, um, that's a win. So, uh, you know, I think what's important. I, the last message I would say is to focus on. Um, if everybody could focus on what they could do to improve their little section of the world. Um, our oath at Two Wolves Performance, and I'll end on this, because our section of the world is is the lacrosse community. Um, our oath is for the sports community is because of the jerseys we wear. We have the opportunity and responsibility to change our little section of the world. Be the best you, not just for the betterment of yourself, but for the betterment of all those around you. And I think if everybody just does what they can in their little community, we'll live in a really great world one day. So that's all I got.
0: Yeah. I love that. Again, it's, it's the small steps. It's the little things that add up to big change. I totally, totally believe that. So, um, that's pretty much all I have on my end uh thank you so much for coming on awesome yeah thank
1: you thank you so much for having me thank you for doing this and um I'll talk to you soon I'm sure I'll see you soon
0: yeah sounds good